following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. You're listening to a Tip of the Cap podcast brought to you by Stinger Sports. Stinger Sports makes high-quality gear for the player who expects more for their money. Visit them today at www.stingerwoodbats.com and use promo code TIP OF THE CAP, all one word, for 10% off your next order. Stinger Sports. Look great. Feel great. Play great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Tip of the Cap podcast. I am Coach Jaws, and I am here with longtime friend, colleague, uh, friendly rivalry having friend of mine coach dennis crowley of depew baseball and aces baseball coach what's going on not much man same old same old every day you know yeah so uh first and foremost what we like to do is we like to let the uh let the guests introduce themselves and kind of tell us where they're from where they've been their life in baseball and just kind of tell their story so uh obviously you had a playing career as a pitcher yeah so sort of sort of allegedly uh, so take me through that. Take me through your playing career first. Well, I grew up in South Buffalo and played, you know, PAL at Kaz. Grew up playing there for a long time. Played Legion Ball, Quad County, SEBA. You name it, I played it. Um, ended up playing high school ball, obviously. Yep. Freshman on varsity. Had through, I think, two or three no-hitters through my high school career, which in a city school, some people will say it's not that big a deal, but a no-hitter still a no-hitter in my Absolutely. opinion. Um, went on to play at Hilbert for a year and then had some arm trouble. Ended up coming back and just playing Muni Triple H while I was about 35 years old. Played at Orch Park Sox. Well, started off at the town of Boston, Boston Emerling. Played with some good guys out there for a few years and then went on to play at Orchard Park Triple A for quite a few years. Right. And then I had a son and my wife kept telling me, it's one or the other. <laughs> so she let me keep playing while I had the son. Once the daughter was born, then the ultimatum came down and right. I had to stop playing. So. Right. That's when I started coaching, coaching my son. You know, you're doing it for fun for a long time, just coaching for free. Coaching, you know, Southline Little League, coaching O'Kell Park in South Buffalo, um, Buffalo Wings, and watching all these other guys get paid to coach and paid to teach kids and some kids that, you know, some coaches that really, in my opinion, weren't the greatest coaches getting paid. And I'm like, why am I doing this for free? Right. So I started. I joined a couple other organizations over the years, West New York Prospects and that, and I ended up landing up with what used to be New Era Aces yep. Baseball with Rich Wozniak, and uh, been here ever since. And can't complain doing baseball for a living. Yeah. Plus, I coached a Pew. This will be my sixth year at right. Pew for varsity. So I mean, just live, eat, and breathe baseball, man. That's all I've ever done. That's, you know, there's a lot of guys in the area that that you know can say the same thing. And one of the things that I love is just it. It's baseball all day, every day for you. Um, you know, anybody, and, and not just baseball, but sports in general, with a very heavy emphasis in baseball. Uh, anybody who follows you on social media knows you're an avid Yankees fan, hmm. um, probably is equally as avid as a Red Sox detractor. Correct. Uh, I don't like using the word hater. I reserve that for a few very specific instances. But, uh, yeah, so uh, b- born and raised a Yankees fan? Oh, diehard Yankee fan. Don Manley was my favorite player. So people that say I jump on the bandwagon don't know because I went through the years of when they didn't make the playoffs at all. Donnie baseball didn't win anything. Right. And those are the years I loved baseball. My sister actually got me into it. She was always she was a Yankee fan growing up. She was a tomboy. Right. And you know guilty by association because she had it on WPIX every time when I was you know coming in the house. So. Awesome. 
So uh, you were a pitcher by trade. Yes. Uh, did you did you have and most guys do at younger ages uh, have an instance where you were a two way guy? Oh, I played I played short all through high school. Um, played in in triple A ball even. I played some first base outfield second base. Right. I could play. I could hit. I was a switch hitter. Yeah. You know, I hit for average, not for power. It's never a big power hitter. But I mean, those I, guys, those guys have a place in baseball too. Sure. I mean, d- I, d- regardless of what modern statistics and analytics <laughs> would tell you. Yeah, I would slap the ball all over the field. Right. I mean, I was a left-handed hitter. I'd put it to the left center gap. I mean, that's how I taught, teach kids how to hit Goapo as much as possible. Right. It's a lost art. So uh, there was a point in – okay, so so I'm trying to sort my thoughts here. So uh, when you took over at Depew, hmm. there was – there had been some down years. There were some talented players that had come through. Uh, and then you took over, and Depew's been on an absolute terror as of late. They've had some really, really good seasons the last couple, six years. Uh, take me through what you what you brought to Depew and what you kind of what you like, you know, really preached to those guys to get that program back to a you know a, a solid state where it is. Well, one thing that starts with my assistant coach Tony Sikotarski. I mean, he came over with me. Yep, we coached together for years in Legion, and we're pretty successful in Legion. So we brought the same philosophy over in high school. Or it's just basically fundamentals. The one thing we are is very aggressive on the base pads. We will bunt with two strikes. We will bunt with two outs. We will hit and run, steal, and we we complement each other very well. If you right. know, you know Tony. I do. You know, a lot of people that are, will listen to this will know Tony. You know, Tony's a different breed. <laughs> you know, but I love him to death, and I wouldn't want to coach with anybody else. Yeah, you know, we get along great, and we complement each other well. But it's a lot of a lot of it's discipline too. You right. Know? I mean, you, my, when my son played at the Pew, they had a coach Rob Perry. He's a great coach, great guy. I just I seen too much looseness going on. Right. And they had a ton of talent on that team. Yeah. I mean, they had Quitzer, they had you know all kinds of guys. You know, you yep. go on J- J- Josh Martin, Aaron Ertle. Yeah. That team was stacked. It sure were. You know, and then I sit there and watch, and I didn't want to try to coach until after my son graduated, and then once he did, I tried getting in there to try to change the program, and I think me and Tony have done it. You know, and from from the ground up too. Aaron Ertle, my JV coach, has done a yep. great job. This year, I had Steve Colbert as a modified coach. He's done a good job. I had Josh Martin as a coach. You know, my son helped coach one year. Yeah, it's who you put in place in the modified and the JV level that actually helps your varsity level. Absolutely. So absolutely, if they don't know what they're doing by the time they get the varsity. It's too late. Yeah, you're you're in trouble at that point. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we we had the chance of playing the uh, the Lancaster Pew rivalry a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at your place on a nice nice chilly day in <laughs> you know the beginning of March it seemed. Uh, back when baseball started in March. <laughs> yes. Around here. Yes. So. Uh, you know, and it was it was always interesting because me and you have known each other for a long time. We've coached each other from when I was coaching here at New Era, mm-hmm. uh, and I say here we are great. We've been graciously been allowed to use the uh, the Athlete Factory, formerly known as New Era Park, for uh, for this episode today. So I'd like to thank you know Rich Wozniak for that and Dennis for graciously inviting me in with all my audio stuff. But uh, you know, uh, you know, we we started that you were with the South Chittawaga Crush back then, right? Uh, I was with the Southline Storm first. Yep. That was my team. And then they had a team called the Cheektowaga Crush, yep. Southside, and we merged and made one really strong team. Yes, and that team was, was very, very good. It was just called the Cheektowaga Crush at that right. time. And we faced you guys when you were coaching here at New Era. Yep. And, and it was you guys and Amherst Mustangs, if I remember correctly. Yep. Those, our three teams were probably the best teams in the area at that yeah, time. Yeah, we, we went to war with, with you guys and the Mustangs. And actually, uh, a guy ended up coming over to me for our 15U year from the Mustangs. Uh guy that had a little bit of a a chippy hockey player attitude and kind of came over and grew with us a little bit after having a, a rocky start over there and I know you've had your share of guys that didn't fit with other people that fit it's you know I, I refer to it as an our kind of guy type sure. guy and you know um, I'm sure we could sit here and tell stories for hours about that but 
tell me what was the biggest difference jumping from like that team to more of a program type feel? Because I know you coached with before you were here, you coached with at least one or two other programs, uh, with the Wings and a couple others. So, what was the biggest difference there? Well, there's more structure when you're in the program. I mean, I coached individuals, you know, Southline, Southline Express, Western New York Storm, Buffalo Wings, Cheektowaga Crush. You know, once you get into a program, there's more structure. Right. You know, you don't have to do as much. You're not a manager, a team mom, and everything else. Right. Now you're just. When I first came over here, I was just coaching. Yeah. Now I'm the director of baseball operations, so now I do a lot more. But when you're just coaching, it's so much easier. You don't have to worry about anything else. When you're running your own ind- you know, independent program and quotations, right. you got to take care of everything, including the scheduling, the umpiring, and everything. It's kind of nice just being involved in a program and just let somebody else worry about the day-to-day stuff, and you just coach. Right. You know. Yeah, that was one of the uh, one of the nicest things. Mm-hmm. That I, something that I actually took over to Lancaster was some of the stuff that I learned here as a coach was just, you know, the, the 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 head guy makes the call, and everyone else kind of fills in underneath, and you know it, it, it teaches that level of structure that kids are going to see in high school, hopefully, and definitely if they go to college. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, now we had we had a fun a fun fun summer what the one year uh, where your son Justin was playing shortstop for my double A Muni team, Correct. and you uh, had the had the pleasure of coming out and not only pitching for us. But pitching while your son played shortstop, what yep. was that like? That, that was because awesome. not not many guys get the get the chance to do that. I know uh, John Barbario's gotten the chance to do that with at least one of his sons. Yep. Um, you know, I know there's a father son tournament that uh, that happened in stuff like that. So what what was that experience like? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, <clears throat> like you said, not many people could say they got to play a competitive baseball game right. on the same team with their son. I mean, I'm at the time I was it was a couple of years ago, so I was 50 years old. He's 24. You know, I mean. I go on the mound and I'm like, I don't know what to expect, but I actually didn't do that bad. Yeah, you know? I mean, you remember you were playing first base. I, I sure think. was. But I, I do remember he made him making an error and somebody yelling from the dugout. There's going to be a d- domestic dispute in the Crowley household. <laughs> but I mean, just to say I played an actual game with my son, I have a picture of it and I have it framed. Yep. I mean, it's something I'll never forget. Yeah, and that's that's one of my my favorite parts about the game of baseball is the the memories that are made of things that nobody will ever know of unless they talk to you or talk to him about it um mm-hmm. you know and the game breeds that type of stuff you know one of one of my favorite pictures is me and my dad talking to each other pregame you know just leaning on the fence just talking to each other yeah. um you know and i've never i've i've never had the chance to play with my father i know uh tony got the chance to play with his son taylor on the same team um, tony did he really play uh he he, st- <laughs> he stood in right field uh he prevented a forfeit yes. that was that was a rough day i'm uh, just messing around oh absolutely but and, and tony will tell you too he, i had no business being out there but uh it was it was same thing it was just one of those things that he will tell that story just like you'll tell your story sure. with justin um and it was it was a pleasure to like after i mean me and you again we had a very rivalrous start to our our friendship, sure. and you know, to to be able to take the field with somebody that at one point, you know, we used to butt heads all the time just because we were on opposite ends of the sidelines. Um, and since then, we've been on the on opposite ends of the sidelines since then, but it's not nearly as tumultuous, I would say. No, um, no. You, you, learn, the, you learn to respect guys involved in the baseball community, whether you like them or not, because they're doing it for the right reasons, and you respect them. Right. If they're not doing it for the right reasons, then you're gonna be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, and and, and me and you were more the uh, the cocky young jerk and the. You know, from your perspective and my perspective, ah, this this old guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But, um, you know, it's it, it's it's an absolute pleasure to be able to, to to speak with you, coach, with you, stuff like that. Um, and one of the cool things about Mr. Crowley here is, as a pitcher, uh, especially after having some arm issues and stuff, he he's more of an unconventional guy on the mound, uh, close to submarine, but not quite. 
Oh, I was submarine. Yeah. Back in the day. Oh, I was way, I was a knuckle dragger. Okay. Now, when I came out of retirement to pitch with you guys, it was more three quarters. Right. Because my arm just won't go down there anymore. <laughs> but with that being said, like I, I do pitching lessons. I work with whatever the guy has. I'm right. not the type of guy that you have to be over the top, over no. the top. I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. You know. So how, how did you make the transition? Like, were you always kind of a three quarter guy and then just slowly dropped further down? Or was it something that you had to do or, and, and, and how was that transition? How, how, how difficult was it to learn from one way to another and then revert back eventually? I'll be honest with you. How I learned how to throw sidearm is playing on a 90 foot diamond at nine years old. Oh boy. So when you grew up in South Buffalo, you play a CAS and PAL Yeah. and nine ten was a 90 foot diamond. Right. And I played shortstop. And I pitched. And from shortstop to get it across a diamond, I had to put all my might into it. And I would throw, throw sidearm over right. to first base. So when I got on the mound, I just naturally started throwing sidearm. I've thrown sidearm my whole life. Okay. So it was no transition. It was just for, forced. I mean, I right. had to throw. That's just how you threw. Yeah. And then right. you're on a 90-foot diamond on the mound. That's a long throw for a 9-year-old. Absolutely. So I was just trying to get it up there. Yeah. So how did you go from sidearm to the submarine delivery then? <clears throat> just, Just – as years went on, just as I got stronger and got wider, I had a guy named Cal at Kaz when I played for SNS. Okay. It was a team called in South Buffalo SNS. It was one of the better teams around. They had Del Sassers and SNS back in the day that were probably the two powerhouses. And this guy, Cal, when he coached me, must have been about 95 years old. Jeez. And, you know, I'm a young kid. I'm not listening to this old guy. My right. dad was like, you better listen to him. Yeah. He saw Babe Ruth play. He knows what he's talking about. He's right. been around the game for a while. And he's the one that actually told me, he's like, you have a natural motion going this way from the side. And I'm like, okay. And he taught me how to throw, you know, a fastball from that side and a changeup. And as time went over, I started throwing a slider from that end. And to tell you what, a slider from that from, from third base coming from third base is nasty. Yeah. No matter how fast it is. Yeah. And then I taught taught myself a fork ball from right. down there too. So, and I just threw that way my whole life. Yeah, I can tell you, I've uh, I've had the, I'll call it the I'll call it a pleasure, but it's really not fun, uh, of hitting against a guy who uh, throws mid to upper 80s from over there. And a little bit lower uh, than sidearm, and it's not fun. Anything that like, oh, that's that's gonna hit me, and it's a strike on the outside corner. Like, mm, no yeah. thanks. It's um, tough, but lefties could hit you if you don't spot it right. Exactly, and that's yeah. that's one of the, uh, the the tricks that we've learned over the years in in uh, in uh, Muni MSBL is to you know throw a lot of lefties at that guy, and you have a shot. But um, you know, it's do you, do you ever find it tough to relate to a kid who doesn't throw? from over there to like maybe a guy that's pure straight over the top nope because your mechanics for pitching is the same you still gotta get up high get long get low still gotta drive with the hip all your mechanics are the same your arm angle just changes right you know so i have no pets why like i said when i do 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 pitching lessons i'm hoping i could still do some more we'll see what happens but i work with what they have right you know and some parents love it and some parents are like well i really want to throw over the top and i'm like they come to me at 13 years old He's not going over the top. He's going to stay a little more three quarters. He's going to be a little more. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Because softball pitchers can pitch forever, correct? Absolutely. What do they throw underhand, correct? Uh -huh. It's more of a natural throw, in my opinion, if you're coming down from the side or down low. Right. You go straight over the top, you're going to have more arm problems, in my opinion. Right. Nobody should be straight over the top. Right. You know. Yeah, the, 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 the Tim Linscombs of the world are far and few between. Sure, sure. But I try to work with what the kids have. You right. Know? That's why I like to get them when they're younger. You know, like start teaching them when they're about, you know, 11 years old. Give them a change up nice and early. That's all you need is a fastball and a changeup until you're about 13 years old, if if not older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much all you need. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the uh, actually a, a guy that you would appreciate is a, a lefty that threw kind of a three quarter through high school for me. Uh, I mean, he he made all Western New York without without a breaking ball as a junior. Fast two seam, four seam, 
cutter and change up and then they were all legit and he could put them anywhere he wanted them and he you know same and same thing and actually one of his most hit pitches the following year was when he learned a curveball and he did he couldn't command it the way he could the other stuff and that was the ball that got hit when he threw it so he had to kind of spot it in good spots and hope it didn't get hit because you know I as a hitter I can tell you I don't like hitting change-ups because they're harder to see well, you remember my pitcher at the Pew, Josh Goss. Yep. He was he was basically unhittable. He had a 0.76 ERA his senior year. Yeah. We uh, When we played you guys, uh, we went in and the coaching staff talked and we're like, oh, what are we going to see? And I said, it, it, we're, we're playing we're playing Dennis's team. It's going to be a righty or a lefty that can just spot the ball wherever he wants and probably throw six different pitches. Yep. He threw five for, di- five for yep. different pitches and he could spot them anywhere he wanted to. Yeah. Middle of the second inning, uh, Coach Delfonso looked at me and went, wow, you, you couldn't have been more spot on about this, could you? I was like, I, I I know what I'm talking. I know I know the guy, and I know how you know how he coaches and how he teaches, and he's been bragging about this kid for a year. And so. if I remember correctly, he pitched a complete game in one three to two. Sure did, you know? absolutely. And the kid, and he ended up not going to play college baseball. Really, he didn't want to. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because you know not many people gave him looks because he couldn't break a plane of glass. Right. But like an example, we we're playing Timon. They had PBR there at that game, and they're gunning uh, Sean Hayes. Yes. And Hayes is hitting about eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. I go by to the guy at PBR. I go, what's Goss throwing? He kind of giggles. He goes, 72. And I go, what's his changeup? He goes, 56. Yeah. And Goss won that game. Yeah. He beat him head to head. I mean, I'd yeah. rather have a guy that could throw five pitches and change speeds and locations and movement than a guy that just throws pure gas because you could time that up any day. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we, we faced Mark Armstrong two or three times, or actually probably a total of four or five times uh, in, in his high school uh, his high school career. And we were we went two and one or one and two against them. We should have went two and one against them, um, you know. And it's, it was you know, threw threw it hard, and his changeup or his changeup was a curveball that just it wasn't quite ninety four. So it was tough to adjust down to. But uh, the game that we did beat him, we you know we put the ball in play, and it was, they just weren't used to it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean we we've all seen over the years the the guys that come out and. You know, we, we we call them surgeons, the guys that can pick apart the plate anywhere they want, and you know the more pitches, the more movement, the the better off it is, and that's one of the things that I've known about you and your your coaching philosophy for years is, you know, the the, the kid's gonna be able to live on the corners and he's gonna be able to make the ball move, and it's it's one of one of I think the more underappreciated things that you hear about pitching coaches or that you don't hear about pitching coaches really, because what, what, what world do we live in? Velo, 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 velo. 100%, 100%. You know, and when I when I get a pitcher that comes to me and says, oh, I want to play in college, it's like, all right, well, get stronger so you can throw harder, and then we can talk to colleges, but we're going to work on the other stuff in the meantime too. Yep. Because, you know, once you get there, you you can't teach speed. You can train for speed, You can, but you got to start early. You know, you can't just decide your junior, senior year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some curls in my basement and hope my, you know, pop five to seven miles an hour. <laughs> But uh, if you can move the ball around, man, when you start touching, uh, you know, especially as an older guy, you start touching a bigger number, you definitely, de- it'll definitely be beneficial to know how to place and move the ball at a younger age. So well, you've been in here when my my travel teams practice. Yep, I have three kids last year at 14 years old that hit 80 miles an hour, 82 miles an hour, and the dads were like, "Oh, that's great, they throw hard." I said, "That's great. We need to teach them to change up. We need to teach them another off-speed pitch. They need to learn it." Yeah. And sometimes you get some resistance from parents because I'd come up my kid, how can he throw harder? How can he throw harder? He's 14. He's throwing 80 miles an hour. He's fine where he's at right now. Right. Now let's give him some secondary and third, third pitches and get him going. And I tell you what, last summer, those kids on that team were phenomenal. Yeah. But, like, same thing. They're starting to learn how to, how to pitch, yeah. how to locate, how to hit spots, you know, change, <clears throat> change the you know, angles and everything else. And 
it's it's not all about velocity with me. No. You know, unfortunately, it is about for pros Vo- and, and, and And velocity does help. Sure. Um, you know, so and it's we nice the, to have that 99, 96 that <laughs> just blow up by somebody. Right. It's it's nice to be able when you're when you're struggling just to rear back and throw throw one a little bit harder and blow up past somebody. But that's not how you get through a game. You know, that's how you get through a, a, one tough at bat. Sure. You know. I went to I went to a Tigers game last week with my buddy Sean Gavigan. He's a Milwaukee Brewers fan. Yep. And they have a relief pitcher. I don't know his name, but he's like, watch this guy. He threw six changeups in a row. Yeah. Nobody touched him. And, and then then he then he was able to spot ninety four. Right. But six changeups in a row, and in, nobody in a major league baseball, and not one hitter touched it. Yeah. And that's that, that's one of the things too that I think it's lost is being able to go back to a pitch, not just getting lucky with one or two, but just being able to to go out and dominate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite things to do as a pitching coach, and I can say this, not being a pitching coach anymore, which is weird to say, but one of my favorite things to do is if we go to a pitch and it's a bad pitch, like you know we dirt a curveball or something, what what is what does a hitter think? Well, you ain't throwing that again. I can take it off the table. Guess what I'm coming back with? Yep. And guess what? What what's going to buckle his knees? Because I'm going to throw it right this time. Because I know what I did and I know what I did wrong and I got to come back to it. So, um, that's that that's actually a great story. I love hearing stuff like that because, you know, what what do we hear all the time? Oh, this is what they do in the pros. Yep. And you know, for as many times we can say like, well, we're not the pros. We know we're high school, we're travel, we're summer program, like. You know, we're not the pros. That dude, you can get away with that when the ball comes off your bat at 130 miles an hour. Sure. You know, you can get away with that when you hit 40 home runs, when you steal. They don't steal bases in the no. show anymore. But, no. um, you know, hearing hearing a guy like that, like, yeah, six changes in a row in a pro baseball game. Guess yeah. what, kid? Learned how to throw a changeup. 100%. So, now, um, we've talked about your coaching career. We've talked about your playing career. We've talked about you taking the field with – your son Justin in a game. Uh, there is some some not so great news happening in your life right now. Yep. Uh, and I kind of I wanted to work this into more toward the middle of the episode to kind of talk about it, get it out there, and then we can go back to some more lighthearted stuff. I didn't want to start or finish with it and kind of you know hit the down note. So let's let's get to the brass tacks here. Uh, you got some got some rough news this year. Yeah, a few months ago I got diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's. Yep. I'm the 27th person in my family to get it. Yeah, it's uh. I know when we talked about it, you told me it was very, not just very prevalent in your family, but it's very severe. Oh, it's very aggressive. Yeah. I mean, average lifespan when you get it in my family is seven months to 18 months. My right. sister lasted 18 months. She was the longest. I believe I was having symptoms April, May. I was refereeing high, I refereed high school basketball. Yep. I was doing a varsity game, time in Nichols, and I was sprinting down the court, and my knee buckled. At that time, I was like, oh, I might have just stepped the wrong way. Didn't think nothing of it. Yeah. Finished the game. A couple games later, my knee was starting to feel weird again, like it was going to give it on me. So I just finished. I finished a year. Stubborn Dennis Crawley that I am. I didn't say nothing. I just finished a year. I think I had like You're 15. You're not stubborn. A little bit. <laughs> so I had like 15 games left. Finished the games. You know, still, yeah. still was able to keep up with the boys, run up and down the court, whatever. And I loved refing. I'm going to admit that. I'm going to miss that a lot. Right. I mean, not just keeps you in shape. It keeps you involved in the game. Get, you know, around the kids, get talked to coaches and everything else. But... So, of course, basketball season ended, you know, and I'm standing there, and baseball high school season's getting ready to start, and I'm like, I don't have time to go get my knee looked at. i got to get school ball ready to get right. going. So I started coaching school baseball, and I'm limping around out there, and coach, of course, Coach T is making fun of me, calling me hop along and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> and when school ball was over, I'm like, I better go get this looked at because it was getting worse. Right. So I went and got an MRI, and they came back and said I had to tear my meniscus and an old tear in my ACL. All right, no problem. I'll go do some PT, surgery, whatever i got to do. Yeah. So I started PT, and I'm doing PT. I do it for about two or three weeks, and it's just not getting better. It's not getting stronger. And uh, the PT guy actually measured my two legs, and my one leg was three centimeters skinnier than my other one, my thigh and hamstring. Right. 
I looked at him and I was like, I won't be back. And he goes, what do you mean you won't be back? I said, I know what it is. He goes, can I ask? And I told him. Yeah. I said, Lou Gehrig runs in my family. I'm 89% sure that's what it is. Muscle atrophy is one of the signs. Muscle twitch and muscle atrophy. Which was weird. He tells me his brother-in-law at the time is dying of Lou Gehrig's. Right. What are the odds of this? And But he has a different strand of Lou Gehrig's. Okay. okay. So our strand is the SOD1A4V gene. It's a very aggressive Lou Gehrig's. Right. So I went home, told the wife, you know, and she was like, no, no, it ain't it. It's going to be your knee, blah, blah, blah. You know, and she's in denial, whatever. And I'm like, you know, I need to get, get it checked out. So to, to go off beat for a minute, my sister, Anita, the, the last uh, living sibling I have, she's a carrier of the gene. She's not active. Okay. And she's been in a program in Miami about Lou Gehrig's. She gets tested twice a year, and she's in a program that they monitor all her stuff. Right. Because now there's a drug that supposedly slows our, our gene down. Okay. But that's, I just wanted to tell that part because yeah. I never wanted to get tested. Right. So I called her up and I told her what was going on. And she's like, Dennis, you need to go get looked at. And I was like, all right. So I went to, the, I first had an appointment with UBMD and they wanted to like wait a month and a half. And I'm like, I'm not waiting this long. Right. My wife works at Dent. She got me in with Dr. Um, Myers. He's a neurologist over there. I got in there. They did a, a physical exam of me. He saw the muscle twitching in my leg. I couldn't see it personally. Right. Turned to my wife and turned to me and said, sorry. You know, that's what, what can you say? Right. It's a death sentence. There's nothing yeah. else to go with. There's no cure. And we both broke down, obviously, you know. Uh, had to go back for an EMG where they put needles in you and check your muscles and all that stuff and do blood work and send it out. And yeah. Sure, sure enough, it came back positive. You know, I got Lou Gehrig's. And now there's a drug called Tephorcin. It's an experimental drug showing signs of slowing down our specific gene. Right. Not stopping it, just slowing it down, giving you a little more time. Like I like I joked around, I said, if it gives me one more hour, one more day, one more week, one more month, I'll take whatever I can get. Absolutely. So I get my sister on the phone again, so she calls Miami, the doctor down there that's one of the leading researchers of ALS. Yeah. And he's like, we need to get him just in, in the program right away. Right. But since I was not in the program, I have to jump through hoops now. Yeah. So they allow... Just about a, a month before I got the drug, they allowed it for compassionate use, it's called. Okay. But I had to show signs. This is what's hilarious, and it's not funny, but hilarious. Okay. I had to show a 7% decline in my health over a month to get approved to get this drug. Jeez. Does that make any sense? No. For compassionate use for a drug, compassionate use for a drug, I had to show a decline of health. Wow. To get approved by the FDA, an internal review board, and that to get the drug. Now, listen, whatever it takes, okay? I got approved. I've had two injections now. Right. I have, my left leg is shot. It's gone. I mean, okay. I, have, I have no strength in my left leg. If you, if you see me around town, you'll see me with a knee brace, whether you have a cane or crutches. It's just because my, my left leg is doing nothing. Right. My right leg still supposedly is showing no signs, and the rest of my body is showing no signs right now. So if you take account April, May, June, July, August, September, October, I'm five months into it already. Right. And I'm still upright, which is... A positive thing. And a, 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 a great thing to see. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what. I, the, the outpouring from people, the people that, that have helped me and just contacted me and talked to me and called me or ex-players and everything, it's, it's meant so much. Right. It really has. I mean, I've cried a ton. Yeah. You know, my family's cried a ton. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, my daughter just got tested. She's 22 years old. She just got tested. She gets the results today to okay. find out if she's a carrier or not. If she's a carrier, she's going to go right into that program where my sister is. Right. 
my son doesn't want to get tested yet, and I'm begging him to. Because when I didn't want to get tested, there was nothing to worry. There's no cure, no drug, no right. nothing. So what's the point? Yeah. So now there's a reason to get tested because you're getting a program. There's a guy in Calgary, Calgary Flames assistant general manager. Okay. He has the same gene as me, the SOD1A4B gene. He got diagnosed in 2019. He was already in the program. He got the drug two weeks later. The only thing he's lost since 2019 is his right arm. Jeez. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm hoping. Now, they do say the earlier you get the drug, the better. Yep. And I didn't get it right off the bat, but hopefully I got it early enough to, like I said, keep me around for, you know, see my son get married. Right. You know, um, because he's supposed to get married next September. Right. I got a couple of friends getting married around that time, too. Mutual friends of ours. Yep. Tim and and hope to get to their wedding. Yep. And... Again, me being the stubborn person that I am, I'm going to fight this. I tell people I'm, I'm not going down swinging. I'm, I mean, I'm going to go down swinging. Absolutely. You know, I'm not sitting back. My wife yells at me all the time for overdoing it. Yeah. What do we want me to do, sit on the couch? Right. I, I coached a doubleheader a couple weeks ago, ironically, at Lou Gehrig. <laughs> Isn't that kind of, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we, I, I'm out there coaching. I'm still in here working. I'm still trying to do what I can do. And I'm still planning on coaching high school. Right. But – you know, if, if the drug works, great. If it doesn't, I've had a great run. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, you know. But like I said before, the the messages I got from ex-players. Right. I mean, I could, some of the stuff is just, I, I saved it. You yeah. Know? It's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I, I got so much more, I've, so much more to do, you know. I've, I've, I've known you a long time. I've never seen you even remotely choke up. This is yeah. the second time in about a month that I've seen it. And yeah. it, I don't like it. Stop it. <laughs> Trust me, I don't like it either. I understand. I mean, I've been going. I, mean, I got a Harry Skull's been doing a story on me for the Buffalo News. Yep. He's been with me since the beginning. Yep. He was even in the hospital room when I got my one injection, videotaping it. So he's, he, and he asked me if he could do this because the Lord asked him to do it. And right. I said, absolutely. If you yeah. want, you know, plus if it helps the next person, great. Absolutely. Spectrum News was at my house the other day. They're doing a story for on me and on the news. You know, anybody wants to talk about it, I'll talk about it because if it helps the next person, my kid, my kids' kids. Right. And that's great. Yeah. You know, that's all I could ask for. Yeah. You know? That's so. awesome. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, um, obviously you know what, what it's done to others in your family. Uh, what, what, what was your original prognosis from your doctor? There really wasn't one. Okay. He didn't, he didn't give one. He, he, I mean, the family history tells you what your prognosis is. Fair you enough. Know, I mean, one, one lasted seven months, one lasted 18 months. That right. was the end, early and end of the spectrum. So right. you're going to be somewhere in between there probably. Right. You know, so if, again, if the drug works that I'm on and it keeps gives me a little more time, because, I mean, it, great. My friends, they're like, you're going to be around for five more years because a-holes live forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I hope I'm right. You right. Know? But, you know, as long as, I, as long as I can be around to do a little bit more. Right now, my, my goal is, it's kind of funny because Harry had asked me what my bucket list was. Right. I don't have a bucket list anymore. Okay. My bucket list is to make sure my family's set when I'm gone. Right. That's my bucket list. Yeah. And it's tough to sit back and look at it, right? But that's what you gotta do. Yeah. You know, I got a wife and two kids. You know, my wife, she's gone through a ton. Right. You know, it's not just me going through this; it's her. Yeah. You know, not only did she go through it with me getting the disease, we just had to put a dog down, and we're trying to find a house. Right. And it's like that's a lot on one person's plate. Well, both our plates, but it's a lot on one family. Sure, hundred percent. I mean, my daughter, she's been great. My son doesn't live here; he lives in Charlotte. Right. And I'm kind of glad he's over in Charlotte because he doesn't have to see this every day. Right. You know, he's doing his thing and living his life, and I'm happy for him. So yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And it's always tough. I know. I know. I grew up with my dad being, you know, like a superhero to me, and I'm sure Justin feels the same way about you. And it's 
it's never easy to see somebody that you hold in that regard struggle the way that you know you've been you've been going through so yeah. um now there's a couple things out there for that you got going on um because there's a, a benefit coming up for you know to help you guys out yeah um when's the benefit where can people get tickets benefits october 23rd it's at uh, elks in lancaster okay. down near uh, picasso's yep uh you get tickets you could, you could message me message my wife um if you're on social media facebook or twitter there's been flyers put on that yep there's also a go gofundme page that my sister-in-law started yep and we've been sharing that on facebook and twitter um but yeah you can contact anybody on the on the, the flyer you can contact me if you need to contact jaws contact him and he can t- contact me and get tickets out either way yeah i uh i tweeted out the uh the gofundme link on uh, sometime last week i believe it was and i plan on putting it on the facebook page i'm going to put a link to it in the summary to this episode uh, and keep that on there for as long as the GoFundMe page is up. I'll find and share the, or if you want to send me the flyer or whatever for the benefit, I'll put that out there too. Because uh, any in any way, shape, or form that I can help or anybody that I know can help, uh, we'd absolutely love to. You yeah, know? I appreciate that. It gets um, expensive, that's for sure. Absolutely, you know, and it's I don't I don't think people people get it, but at the same time, they don't understand the the burden of medical treatment and stuff like that 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 can have on a family and stuff like that so any anything that anybody who hears this can do to help anything that you can uh five i mean and we we did this uh you know if you if you listen to my episode about eric saladin you know we did the same thing for him um and i said it then i'll say it again anything you can do if you if spare five bucks any little bit will help um you know take it to the benefit going into the benefit um I'm sure there'd be probably raffles and stuff at said benefit because that's usually how those work. Yep. Um, anything you guys can do to help out, you know, a family need a, and a great Western New York baseball family to boot, um, you know, would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And, um, you know, obviously we're hoping to have you around for a long, long time. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully a year from now we sit down and we can have this conversation again and you can give us a little bit better news. That'd be nice. I'd look to be around to piss off a few people. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I uh, I just hope it's not me. Because <laughs> it we, we've, we've done that enough in our time. I'm just joking. Anyways. I know. But just to, just to touch base on that, people, I mean, everything that's been donated so far is greatly appreciated. Yep. I mean, the first bill I got from my first examination was 950 bucks. That's with the insurance covering part of it. Right. So it's not cheap. It's it's unfortunate. I know fam- other family members of mine that when they got the diagnosis almost went bankrupt from it. Right. You know, and it's uh, fortunately Rich has let me still work yep. full time for now until January 1st, and then somebody's taking over for me, which is super nice of him. Yep. You know, and I'm gonna do the best I can, but it's coming to where I'm gonna have to be on Social Security disability. Right. You know, so that's not gonna be fun for the family either so right so um we're gonna shift off the uh the tough stuff so uh again anybody looking for the links to the stuff it'll be in the summary of this page or of this episode and the episodes going forward uh, i'll share it on both my personal twitters and facebooks uh and the page uh the the podcast facebook and twitter as well so you guys can check out that uh visit help out in any way you can um and so you mentioned still working here for Rich. Yep. And uh, obviously you took over, was it last year was your first full year? Yeah, uh, last summer. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, the first off, how, how interesting is it coaching for this program that at one point you were, you know, on the other side of it, you were, uh, you know, oh, those friggin' new era guys, you know, <laughs> you know what's, what's it like, like having – had that kind of come full circle a little bit that's interesting i yep. mean yeah obviously you know back in the day when you were coaching new era i hated it 
Sure know, did. But just I did not like stuff that was done and and stuff how some stuff was ran or whatever. That's yeah. just personal opinions, you know. And then over the years, I learned to respect it a little bit more, you know, seeing what they're doing. It's not all because I I came from again individual organizations where right. I always thought that these programs are just about making money and that's all they gave, gave a crap about. Right. You know, and I still feel that way about some programs. We'll just keep my <laughs> mouth shut about that. But I learned, you know. Rich is not all about money. Obviously, he has to make some money. It's his business. Right. But he is for the kids. You know, and, and most of the guys that have worked here are for the kids and make them develop, become better ball players. Right. And that's all I've ever been about is try to make sure the kid's ready to play high school, ready to play college, ready to play whatever level they're going to next. Right. I, my goal is to make sure the kid's better from the day I met him to the day he leaves me. That's all I ask. Yeah. You know? And now, I mean, being able to run it and put my philosophies and ideals into it help. Yep. Make it easier. But at the same time, even when, when you were here, I, I appreciated stuff you did. When Neil Turvey Jr. was running it, I appreciated stuff he did. I worked for him. Right. I, I was coaching for him when he was running it here. Yeah. I worked with Jeff Helmbrick at the Prospects. Listen, I appreciated what he did. He, he has his program. You, know, you can go on and on. San Cito, all the guys that have their programs. They have their ideals and their, their programs for right. a reason. So when I was able to take this over and be able to put my ideals to, to work and see what I want to do, brought in a couple guys to coach that I really like how they coach. I enjoy every minute of it now because right. now it's like I can see my product. You know, it's my it's my vision on right. the field at all levels mostly, you know. Yeah. So going full circle is now that you're in here you see yeah the difference. You know what I mean? Where when you're on the outside, it's like sometimes you can get a different perspective and a false perspective, I should say. Right. And yeah, and that's just one of those things that, you know, it's it's easy to to detract from something you don't understand sure um you know or and and i i mean i've admitted it more than a few times on this uh on on my show that i've i've fallen victim to that as well so uh when you came here what was what was one of the things you wanted to fix or make better day one like you walk in day one and you're like this is what i want to do without without knowing or seeing anything else what was the one thing that you want to say this is what dennis crawley wanted to do well i like coaches having their own opinions right like coaches be able to do what they need to do because not every coach coaches the same way right and i know in the past some guys that have ran programs this is my program this is how it's going to be this is how i want every team running it that's not me right okay i hired joe lux he's a springville varsity coach when i hired him to come over he had, he actually called me he's like dennis i'd really be interested in come over and coach over there he was coaching another organization right and i'm like well i don't want to step on nobody's toes he goes no you're not stepping on, i'm calling you and i'm like listen that's fine i go what do you want because i want some freedom to be able to coach the way i want to coach right so, no problem you got it you know, I don't need to run your practice. Right. I hired you as a coach for a reason. Right. You know, I hired you because I trust you as a coach and I respect you as a coach. Yeah. Go coach. Where in the past here, and it's not in disrespect to anybody that's done it before, it was you walk in, here's a sheet, here's how your practice is being ran. Right. And I'd take the sheet and I'd throw it up and then put it in the garbage. <laughs> I'm running my practice the way I want to run it. Right. And my team's been very successful. Yeah. Here at tra- the travel especially. But it's no disrespect to whoever's running the program. It's just I have different philosophies. Right. You know, and I want to be able to run my team the way you hired me to coach. Let me coach. Yeah. So that's the way I am now from top to bottom. I mean, Rich coaches a couple teams. We hired Joe DeLeo over here now. He coaches. I mean, I hired him for a reason. Right. Let him coach. Now, if he has questions on how I want something done, I'll give him my opinion. Right. But it's not you have to do it. Right. That's the one thing I did change here. And we don't have 72 jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) That's a shot at my boy Neil. You know that. Yeah, he does. I love Neil. And uh, you know, it, it's it's funny because we've we've talked about the jersey thing quite a bit. And uh, you know, it's it, just like coaching. Everyone's got different philosophies on jerseys and program. You know, the whole program looking the same versus each team doing their own thing and uh, stuff like that. But that's that's a story and a debate for another day. <laughs> just, but uh, just fun. Absolutely. So, um, 
going forward, now, a couple years ago, there this program had teams from uh, the 9U rookie team all the way up to what was considered the high school showcase team. And last year, I believe it was, or two years ago, that, that age group kind of got cut down a little bit. Um, do you mind going into the, the why behind that and why you're kind of building up the way you are now? I don't know why the numbers were down a couple of years ago. Okay. To be honest with you, but we're back. We're nine to sixteen U now. Okay. So all the way through, and our sixteen U team will become a showcase team. That's what we're doing. Right. We didn't have tryouts for a junior showcase or a showcase because, as you know, you've been around. It's watered down out there so bad. Right. There's so many travel organizations, travel teams, and it's just you wouldn't put a good product out there. Right. So I wanted to build it up. So our our sixteen U team this year is going to be pretty competitive. Our fifteen U team, which I coach, is one of the better ones in Western New York, in my opinion. Right. 14 U is going to be a lot better, and our nine, all the way down to nine, they're, they're going to be very competitive. But our 15 and our 16 U teams will be our showcase teams going coming up. That was a goal. That was my right. plan when I took over. Was all right. Listen, we're not going to have a tryout for a showcase team, right? Because you're not going to get anybody. Yeah. Let's build it from inside. So Joel Lux will take it over after this year. He'll be the showcase next year. Okay. And his team will be our first showcase team probably here in what five years? Uh, at least three or four. Yeah. Yeah. That I know of at least. Yeah. Uh, and I, I only know some of that because of obviously my friendships with uh, Austin and Neil who were here before. And, um, you know, from what I understood at least, and I, 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 I try not to speak out of school, my understanding was the idea was to cut certain, like to the, the original philosophy of this program when I was here was this is the bar. We need X amount of players above the bar mm-hmm. or we don't field a team. Yep. And for a few years it kind of got away from that a little bit. And the idea was we're going to go back to that. And I, I'm saying we, meaning this facility, Rich, mm-hmm. Aces Baseball, whole nine yards. Um, you know, going back to that and building to exactly what you just said, building to a, a showcase team from inside. Yep. Because if you don't have guys for a showcase team, you're not going to find guys for a showcase team. But if you have a team that's building up to that, you could potentially get that team developed to be a showcase team and then bring in other guys who are like, hey, you know that that team went out and, and waxed us four times last year. Like I'm, I, don't, I, I think I could play with those guys. I think I can play on that team and be part of it. And kind of that, everyone wants to be the Yankees or everyone hates the Yankees mm-hmm. philosophy. Well, um, you got to keep them from within first. Absolutely. If you don't keep your own players and develop your own players, you got to keep them. Yeah. You know, because you know, you know as well as I know, travel. Your bottom four kids in every team aren't going to be happy. Right. You know, they're they're they know they're good. They know they're better than this kid and than that kid. They might be. But they're going to go somewhere else where they get to play more. Right. Which is fine. And, again, this comes back to being watered down too much for travel baseball. Right. You know, my kid, I thought should play more. I'm going to start my own travel team. Right. You know, but if we keep our good players in-house and build it up as we go, we're going to be fine. Right. You know, I like – Zemecki does a great job with the Thunderbolts. Yeah. He's got a nice showcase program over there. I mean, he's, he builds it, and he, he they, they go and they go play for him. I'd like to get to that level over here. As long right. as I'm around long enough to do it. Absolutely. You know, but I think – Especially our 15U team this year coming forward. You've seen half those guys on that team. That team can compete with anybody in Western New York. Yeah, that's, a, that's a solid squad right there. So that team is definitely going to be a phenomenal showcase team when it gets to it. But I want our 16U team this year. We cut it in half and switch it up. So, I mean, it should be a lot stronger. That was my goal is to make every team stronger and right. keep our players. And part of I think part of keeping your players and, and, and that player retention that I, I think every program talks about retaining players and player retention and – you know, not seeing their guys go to other tryouts and, you know, seeing all of their guys come back to tryouts and then seeing other programs' hats, other programs' jerseys at their tryouts. Um, I think that's I think that's something a lot of people talk about. What do you guys specifically do to develop players that they say, hey, I got a ton out of this last year. I want to stay here because I want to do more. 
Well, it starts with your coaches, number one. <clears throat> the coaches you hire and the coaches you have in, in place. Right. You know, if they, they don't they don't respect their coaches, they're not going to want to play. The other thing we added this year was a little more um, calisthenics, a little more medicine ball work, a little more, you know, a lot, more, a lot more working out. Right. And our plan now is, unfortunately, Debbie is uh, Debbie Lancelotti at Laka Sports is yep. now she's she's retiring. Yes. It's known out there. So. Yep. So that whole area is opening up. We're making that a whole workout area. Cool. So we're going to be able to compete with the the full circuits in that when we're going to hire somebody that just does all the workouts and all right. that stuff there. So I think that helps a lot because you can come here, get your workout in. You got plus the instructors you have in place. Right. You know your private lessons. I mean, if you have guys in place that know what they're talking about and teaching the kids the right way, they're going to stay here. Right. Because guess what? You're here all the time anyways because you get a membership with us, so you can be here three days a week using the cages and all that. Right. Sign up with the lesson for one of our our guys. You right. Know? I think that helps keeping the guys in, in place. Absolutely. And like you said, we've had we had tryouts this summer. It was a little easier having them outside. Maybe yeah. Last year with COVID, it stunk. Yeah. And we had, you know, all different types of hats at the tryouts. Yeah. You know, and it was kind of cool. Right. To see that it's, again. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely fun to go out and see the uh, <laughs> go out to your trot and be like, well, I had 14 guys in this roster last year, and I see 14 aces hats, and I see three of these, two of those, nine of those, six of those, four of those, and then. Well, a bunch of kids wearing MLB hats. That's weird. <laughs> well, they're probably little leaguers. Like, you know, cause, and, and that was always the fun conversation yeah. we had is, like, you could tell where a guy came from because, you know, you go to one of these open tryouts and you say, like, okay, I want them to know that I played for somebody last year, you know, that I'm not just some some kid coming to a tryout, you know, uh, and you see the, the, you know, the hats and the jerseys of other teams and stuff like that. And then you always get those one or two guys that are, like, the, the generic Under Armour shirt and a Boston hat. Houseball or, players. Yeah, and that's, and, that, and that's usually what that look looks like is, like, oh, you're a houseball guy. But, hey, uh, listen, my one wings team, I got a bunch of kids out of house ball at South Buffalo. Yeah. And that team ended up being pretty good. Yeah. So it's, don't, don't, you know, you, you find gems in house oh, ball. Oh, li- listen, man, one of, one of my favorite players to work with right now came to me as a goofy little, little leaguer that kind of liked baseball. And I had to find weird, gimmicky things to do with him and lessons to get him to keep paying attention for a half hour. And now he's a kid that, you know, wants to see me three times a week. And, you know, I want to play college ball. Let's go. So. Uh, you know, I definitely don't disparage those guys in any way, shape, or form. I just, I wish with that watered down concept that we were talking about in travel ball, you know, instead of those bottom four or five guys splitting off and making another travel team and another travel team and another travel team, I wish that would filter back down to house ball to give these guys somewhere to go and play, get better, get some games in, take a little bit of the pressure off because there are some guys that you know, and we've we've both seen it. There's guys that you know are good players that can't handle the pressure of a bigger stage. Yep. You know, and you, and you see that with the guys that do really well when you play the insert random town with mascot team here, but then you play, you know, you go against a Thunderwolves or an Aces or a, a Stars team or a Prospects team or a, any one of these teams, you know, and all of a sudden that kid just disappears from the stat sheet. Yep. You know, and uh, you know, more games is always good. I, you know, I, I wish, you know, I, I know locally the one Little League has a, it's a 13 to 16 U. Uh, house league team they have three teams in it there's 20 kids on each roster and the games usually end up looking like a football score 13 to 16 you yep wow just just to get enough guys to fill That's three a rosters big age difference that is and you know and, and, and we but we all know you know if you're coming from a 60 foot field which is what a lot of little leagues in this area play you jump to 90 foot none of those kids can make that throw none of those kids can get the ball to the infield oh you're playing you know, with no bat restrictions, you know, with the small barrels swinging drop 12s and all of a sudden like, oh, hey, here's a 32-28. <laughs> that, that bat's swinging that kid. Yep. Like, you know, and it's I, – I just wish there was more down filter to get those guys more games, more than just a 10-game season and maybe playoffs if, you know, if we want to or have the time or kids are still interested type thing. Um, 
And I think that would help the watered-down version of what is travel baseball now. You know, when me and you were going against each other, it was there were three programs and then a bunch of, t- like, town travel teams that were, com- like you said, combined from, you know, the, what was it, the the Southside Storm and the North Cheektowaga Crush or whatever, and they combined to just the Cheektowaga Crush, and yep. they made a really good team. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish there was more of that, you know, now instead that of. It was tough to do because there's a lot of Eagles with parents. Abs, abs, and, there, and, you know, yeah. we, we talk about all the time, you know, if you, you could probably put a, a 20-man roster from all the programs in this area, go to some big national tournament, and legitimately compete. Mm-hmm. The problem is, talking to guys about doing that is, well, whose name goes on the shirt? Who's coaching Who it? Who cares? Who's coaching it? Who's how much am I, and how much am I getting paid to, mm-hmm. to coach this team? And whose facility are we practicing at? And that's and that's a that's a tough sell, you know. That's and and it, it's it's a tough look too. But uh, you know, I I think you hit it on the head with the keeping guys in house, developing your own players, and re- like really. When we talk about programs, we talk about summer. If you want to be a summer team that goes and chases trophies and chases hardware, and you know, and we're sitting in a building that you walked down a hallway that is yeah. uh, that is impressive as all hell, yeah. you know, thousands of trophies down that hallway. But that was never the goal here. Nope. You know, the goal was play the game, learn the game the right way, and that stuff happens as a byproduct, 100%. as opposed to go chase those things. And you wonder like, hey, how come like my my kid won the 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 fifteen U. East, crab, crab apple. Yeah, the 15 new crab <laughs> apple. Like, why is he not playing? In, like, how, how come these college coaches aren't looking at him? That's what I like it the best. Is you're talking about the trophies and all that. I like the sheets over here. It's, say the alumni from here. Absolutely. That went on to play college ball, and it's all different colleges. Yeah. You know, that's what I like the most. Yeah. Now the trophies I can give. We we won four four tournaments last summer. Yeah. And the year before three. I don't care about those trophies. Yeah, and I, I can I can tell you some of the best uh, some of the best out there will t- you know and, and not even from New York. Some of the best out there in the country will say, you know, we'll throw a congratulations and a picture on Facebook or on on the team's social media and or on the program social media, and that's it. They don't want to see the trophies. Mm-hmm. They don't want the trophies in house. They don't, you know, what what to collect dust. Yeah. Like I just literally threw out had to be thirty trophies different that my son had won. Yeah. Over the years, like I say, he lives in Charlotte now. I called him up. And it's like, do you want these? He's like, for what? Yeah. What do I want them for? I mean, he's a little kid. He's great. You know what the little kids want? They want ice cream after the game. Right. They don't need that trophy. Yeah, what flavor, what flavor snow cone we get? Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, then, then when he gets our age, it's uh, where we're going for coffee after this. <laughs> coaches, if, coaches, coaches meeting. meetings. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anything else you want to say? Anything else? Any other, you know, topic you want to cover real quick? I mean, we're at the 50-minute mark. It's right about where, you know, this 10-minute range is about where I sit. Yeah. So, uh, anything else for the good of the order? Any shout-outs, thank yous? I want to thank everybody that's helped me along the way obviously coaching and you know you know coaching me or letting me coach their kids and stuff like that you know there's just so many i couldn't even try to start thanking them i right. mean obviously i already thanked tony sigatarski he's been with me a long time sure has you know dave rudnick i've coached with over the years you know just just a bunch of different guys i've coached with and i've learned something from everybody and that's the other thing you could say to all i try to tell most kids most kids are going to have 10 15 coaches in a lifetime at least make yourself a better player by taking something from every coach you have yeah not every coach is right all the time. Make yourself a better ball player. Yeah. That's how I look at it, you know. But I do want to thank everybody that's donated to my GoFundMe and that's reached out to me because this is definitely a hard time for me and my family. Right. I mean, if you see me out in public, you see me on Facebook and I'm smiling and, you know, I'm having a couple pops, you know, with my buddies <laughs> like I had the other night with my boy Taylor and that, you know, it's all – it looks good, you know, but it's still tough, guys. Yeah. It's still really hard for me. I mean – I'm, again, I'm not the type that's just going to sit around and woe is me. Well, and, and I think that's one of the best things to say is, you know, I, I've noticed, you know, I, obviously I saw you at uh, 
you know, Austin Kelm's wedding a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, you know, and just seeing you out and about and in good spirits and, you know, being able to go out and have a couple pops and enjoy, you know, like you said, if you get, you know, with the experimental treatment and stuff, if you get another minute, another hour, another day, another week, it's a bonus. But, you know, you don't know how much time you have left. And to, and to spend the time that you do have with, you know, with your family. I know you've traveled recently to go see your son and gone, you know, to go do things with people and stuff like that. And just keeping that positive attitude. And, you know, it, it, it's it's part of that fight, you yep. know. A lot of people could get this type of diagnosis and just go, well, it's over. I've, gonna, seen, I've seen it. Yeah, just just yeah. going to grow, you know, bed sores on my ass from watching TV all day. And, yep. you know. I was doing that anyways. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll can decide. But, no, it's, yeah, I've always been the type of guy to keep moving and doing stuff, and I'm not going to change now, you know. Yeah. And that's that's just how I feel, so. You know, and one of, one of the things you've always told me is, uh, and it's, it's something we've always joked about in our uh, in our friendship here, is the, oh, I'm from South Buffalo, I'm tough. And, you know, I always made the joke, I don't I don't care, unless you're from Asgard or Wakanda, I don't care how tough you think you are from yeah. where you're from. But, uh, you know, seeing, seeing you out and about, seeing you do what you do, you know, you told me, um, you know, obviously using some type of walking aid because of your leg and stuff like that. And, you know, you've told me that people have told you that, like, oh, maybe maybe we should use something a little bit more. And you're like, no, not until I absolutely have to. Yep. Um, you know, and, and some of that grit and some of that toughness that you've always told me about from being from South Buffalo and, you know, the upbringing that you had. And, you know, see, seeing you with the disposition that you have and wanting to be out and doing things and still coach and work as long as you can and, you know, hoping to be able to do stuff with the Pew this year and be the coach there for one more year at least and, you know, it, it's that toughness and that grit that you've always talked about and that I've I've always noticed that you instill in your players on every team you've coached. And, you know, it's it's great to see, and it's something that I wanted to get out there as a message is that, you know, all joking aside and, you know, all ribbing between the two of us aside, you know, that, that South Buffalo tough that you always talk about, you know, it's it's great to see. And it's awesome to, to, to sit here and talk to you and hear it coming from you, not just it's, – it's easy to put that on social media. It's easy to put that, you know, for people to see it. But to actually be living it, walking that walk every day is just it's it's great to see. And listen, South Buffalo Tough doesn't mean I can go out and fight everybody. South Buffalo Tough <laughs> means how I was brought up. Absolutely. You know, my dad And that, I, and that was just that was a no, running no, joke between yeah, the two no, of us. I, I like, get it, I get it. I mean, like I, to give you an example, my mom died eleven years when I was eleven years old of Lou Gehrig's. Right. Okay. My dad, God rest his soul, he enjoyed a beverage or two. Yeah. Or five or seven. And the, the, the upbringing wasn't the easiest. I, right. I, I did grow up in a nice neighborhood, Strathmore, right across from time in high school. My dad did raise us right. Yeah. But it was a tough upbringing. I right. mean, if we did something wrong, we, we were told, not in words, that right. we did something wrong. Absolutely. You know, that's how you're brought up in South Buffalo. You're brought up to to be tough. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's nothing wrong with that. I think Abs- nowadays absolutely. people, some, some younger kids could use that nowadays, yeah. in my opinion. But and I think it helps you in life. It really does. Yeah. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. If I had to fight somebody, I'd fight somebody, Jaws. <laughs> you know that. You know, I try not to, obviously. Absolutely. But when it comes to life lessons, and I try to distill this with my kids, too, it's like, listen, don't wait for somebody to do something for you. Just go do it yourself. Yeah. You know, and now, now with this going on now, and I think I'm telling people, like, I got a couple of friends of mine that are just miserable at their job or this or that. I'm like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Change, change your life if you're not happy because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's the only thing I can tell people. You know, it's like when I quit my job to come here to coach baseball here, it was a decision I had to make. Right. You know, but I was, it was my dream job. I'm taking it. Yeah. You know, and I tell people now, you know, with my, my situation, if you're not happy about something, change it. Yeah. Change it because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Absolutely. You know, so hopefully, hopefully people listen to that, especially the people I'm trying to tell that to right now. Right. A couple of good friends of mine. It's like, guys, you know, if you're not happy, change it because you're not going to change. Yeah. 
you got to do something. No, so. no better time than now. And I can yep. tell you, I can tell you that from personal experience too, because I'm, I'm, I'm going through the same type of thing. So, but uh, you've talked about it for a good year. Yeah, and I've, I'm doing everything I can to, 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 to do what I got to do. So and I see that. But uh, Dennis, I, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, for for reaching out and wanting to come on and talk and tell your story. Uh, Hopefully, again, uh, guys, on social media, on Tip of the Cap podcast, Twitter and Facebook, and on my personal stuff, I'll be sharing Dennis's, uh, the information about the GoFundMe and the the benefit. Um, You know, you can find Dennis on, you know, on social media too and and find it through there and other information. Updates on Dennis as, you know, as he continues his fight with with Lou Gehrig's disease and so on and so forth. So, uh, again, Dennis, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime, my friend. And, and I, I mean that absolutely anytime. You want to be a regular co-host with me? Let's do it. Yeah, I w- uh, wouldn't mind it. <laughs> give you something to do, right? Yeah, it gets me out of the house. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, guys, Tip of the Cap is part of the BICBP Radio Network, www.bicbp-radio.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcast from. Uh, you can find us on social media. Just search, type in Tip of the Cap Podcast. We will be all that pops up. I kind of designed the name that way. Uh, like, follow, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And, uh, again, thank you to Rich Wozniak and the Athlete Factory and Dennis for letting us come here and use the facility to do this today. And, again, Dennis, thank you so much. It's great having you, and we look forward to uh, keeping tabs on you and, you know, making sure you're doing all right. Appreciate it, man. And no problem. Catch us next week, guys. We'll be uh, back with another brand-new episode of Tip of the Cap. This is Generic American Sports Podcast Center. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Generic American Sports Host Podcast Thing. Today, in sporting news, some things happened that were some stuff and some other things. Some statistical values to back up those things are this. As you can see, the thing I just said statistically did happen. Yo, wait a minute. I feel like I could listen to this show anywhere and be just as bored. Why am I listening to this stuff? You want a better sports experience from your podcast? Head over to Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP radio network. Not generic, not boring, and a little out there sometimes. Tune in to Hats, Tats, and Stats on the BICBP radio network.